0: Bridge Toll, California, customer service number, highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus, Thailand Cave Rescue Operation, what is Schema F, best wine bars in San Carlos, California, best Western hotels, how old is Ronaldo? what happened with Big Brother, what's a good engagement, how long gift? before a wedding should I send out, how many save games the dates, use IMAP to check email on other email spots. clients, identify That's fonts from where to find, and find four the best Brian stuff. And Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. Today we're going to talk about modern content strategies. Joining us is Damon Burton, who is the president of SEO National, which is a personalized one-on-one search engine optimization agency that has scaled to seven and almost eight figures of revenue without spending a dime on paid advertising. And today, Damon and I are going to discuss how quirkiness can be your secret weapon in content. this podcast is also sponsored by Hrefs. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Damon Burton, the president of SEO National. Damon, welcome back to the Voices of Search podcast.
1: And I just can't get enough of your voice. I appreciate the opportunity. To I'm
0: excited to have, you know, you've got a great voice too. I noticed we're using the same microphone here. Yeah, you do. Um, do you have some like filters on it that make you sound so deep and bassy?
1: No, I'm just gifted.
0: Uh, it's, it's, congratulations on not only being a wonderful SEO, but having you know, beautiful vocal cords.
1: You know, what's funny is I worked on on air and radio for seven years. I mean, this was 15 years ago, but um, I was the worst in the beginning because it's probably much like what we'll talk about today is, is like you need, we'll probably talk a little bit about finding your online voice. But in radio, you, you kind of have to find your, your literal voice. And there's a term in radio called puking. And it's like, hey, what's up, Ben? This is DJ Damon and like the really like radio kind of guy. And and you have to break yourself.
0: Oh, you mean like when I start the podcast, I'm like, Welcome to the Voice of the Search Podcast.
1: Well, you're much more NPR, like casual professional voice in there. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't know, is NPR that might have that might have not been a compliment, Uh, but it was intended to be a compliment.
0: (laughs) I took it as a compliment.
1: Yeah. So we'll talk about, you know, it's funny look, looking back then and I have some of the old on-air on air check tapes where, where you would record yourself and it's just so cringy. But it's the same thing that you have to go through to find your voice online, which which you touched on about quirkiness. And we'll kind of get into how you do that dance and figure out how to leverage your quirkiness.
0: You know, it's funny. Well, let's take it from there. You know, when I started my consulting practice, which was really when I got into more personal branding, I got not fired, but not quit. It was kind of somewhere in between where like I beat him to the door basically of Mm -hmm. my last job. And I was, for lack of a better term, butthurt by the experience and decided that instead of telling everybody, hey, this relationship had soured and I just needed to leave for my mental health and that the company wasn't appreciating what I was doing for them. My way of telling people that I had moved on from the last company was to take two days off. I said I was going to take three months off. And then the third day, I started building a website. And the first line of copy I wrote was, Are you ready to give your brand a voice? Because I was sitting down thinking about what are the things that I am inherently good at that I want to focus on. And in high school, I did a lot of musical theater, I did a lot of acting. And so I felt like the core skill set that I had that I was going to pivot my career to focus on was not necessarily performance marketing and sort of full suite analytics, but the development of brands and matching brands with your personality, because I am an inherently, hopefully good listener and capable of taking what people say that is relatively complicated and speaking it back to them in plain English. Turns out that's what led for me to be a podcast host, but give your brand a voice was my way to be authentic. It's also a little quirky you said that quirkiness can be your secret weapon in content and podcasts. Tell me about you know, what I did right, what I did wrong, and why that's quirkiness is so important.
1: Well, when you put yourself out there in whatever authentic way you are, and it's hard to say the word authentic because it's become so cliche and cheesy in the world of marketing.
0: Authentic is so inauthentic now.
1: <laughs> exactly. But like when you come at things transparently... Just like in the example of the radio voice, when you're new to radio and you, you think that when you get on air, you need to be the loud, energetic guy. But then it comes through. like People can tell if it's real or not. And so it's the same thing online. So where my business really exploded is... If I give you like a, an abbreviated evolution of my company... So I've had my agency for 15 years. The first year or two, it was just cool to be self-employed. Years two through four, brought on a couple of team members. Years four through six, I started documenting processes. Years six through eight... We started growing. And so that's when I was like, okay, let's see what we can do with this. But I was always okay with the late gratification, not forcing myself from step four to step 10. And I enjoyed the processes going from each step to, to the next step. So then by the time we get to maybe two years ago is when we started hitting, going from high six figures to getting into the seven figure annual mark. And the only thing that changed was being more vocal with who I am. And I don't mean I became more polarizing or political or anything. In fact, quite the opposite. I avoid political topics. I avoid taboo topics. But what I mean is I started amplifying things that I like to talk about or I'm comfortable talking about. So largely, those are obviously SEO. But then I also have a big passion side where I like helping new entrepreneurs and saying, here's how you get past those first hurdles. And then the other side of the topics I like to talk about is my wife and kids. I like to talk about my appreciation for my wife. I like to talk about how proud I am as a father. So then for me, figuring out what that dance was, the, the virtual voice is, how do I balance the expertise of my skill set with the quirkiness of my personality? Because in real life, I'm a pretty quiet, reserved person. But online, I don't mind sharing all the things that I have expertise about. So I had to figure out what that dance was. And then it took me maybe two, three months to, to start finding a good balance of what topics to talk about, which aligned with me. Because as you post things, at least what happened for me was when I tried to find how to present that quirkiness, sometimes you'd push out content and you'd be like, uh, that seemed like I tried too hard in that post. And you have to get that out of your system. I think it's natural to just try to be very profound. And then you realize that the more profound you try to, the more you try to force being profound, the more cheesy it sounds. So you kind of have to go through this detox cycle of getting out the imposter syndrome and finding out a balance of all those things. And then when you find what you're really good at talking about that aligns with your personality, that's where my business started to double within just less than a year. So it's kind of like you have to be willing to make mistakes and trip over yourself to really figure out who you are in your online personality and how it matches with who you are behind the online screen.
0: I was a speaker this year at the Inbound Conference as a representative of the MarTech podcast. And it was a pre-recorded session and it was titled Why Marketers Need to Listen to Black Voices. And it was okay. It was a podcast. I interviewed one of the heads of marketing at Howard University, and she talked about why black purchasing power and why black purchasing power is growing. And not just black purchasing power, but minority purchasing power is growing. And also how the black community are influential and how millennials think about basically voting with their pocketbook more than previous generations. And I think the conversation came out fine. I felt so uncomfortable being the the host and shepherd of the conversation. I looked at the feedback the inbound conference did a great job of aggregating the feedback about each session and giving it to someone. And basically, that was what was reflected back to me. It was the the guest was fantastic. And the host seemed like he was trying. And that's the God's honest truth is I was trying to have an open, honest conversation, but it was a topic that made me feel uncomfortable. And so I guess that's kind of one of the things that It's okay to be vulnerable and mostly when you're a public figure, but how would you handle a situation like that? You know, I think that's a story that needs to be told, but I feel uncomfortable being the person telling it because honestly, who wants to hear about race from a white guy who grew up in a, you know, affluent suburb of San Francisco? You know, I don't think I'm the person that should be telling the story about black marketers. I want to be supportive of them. And obviously I want to provide a forum for that story but i feel uncomfortable telling it time for a 1 minute break to hear from our sponsor previsible so you're looking for seo help and you got a couple of options you could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number 1 on google you could pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges or you could work with a cookie cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy less project with low success rate none of those sound very good now do they That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. Gets into quirkiness, gets into, you know, finding your own voice. How do you handle situations like that?
1: So, you know, it depends on, on what the pretext is, because in that case, if, if I knew in advance, I think I'd probably have a similar position where I want to be supportive of that topic, but I just don't know enough about it to contribute to the conversation in a productive way. And so assuming I had the pretext, then, then I would mention it that way. If I didn't have the opportunity and it just was kind of put in my lap, then, then I would still probably answer it very similarly. Like, hey, you know, this is a great topic. I think it deserves attention. I don't know enough to amplify this message in a proper way. And that's the truth about it. And hopefully the, the receiving party of that message understands the value and that transparency. But I have no problem. You know, i go on podcasts. You and I chatted before we hit record about doing a lot of podcasts. And there's a lot of people that are really good about political commentary. I am not. And so anytime I go on those podcasts and they say, Hey, do you want to talk about this or that? No, because I can't contribute to the conversation. It's just kind of for
0: the other Ben Shapiro's show. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, or just I'm the anti-taboo guy. And it's not because I don't have an opinion. It's just that I have a different take on how I can contribute to those conversations and those movements or whatever they might be. And I don't know enough about a lot of those topics to support the platform that would be addressed in a public forum. So I'm okay telling the audience or the platform, I don't know enough about this. I don't get insecure in saying, I don't know these things. And that goes... There's a lot of things entrepreneurs need to get comfortable with. You know, We always hear, get more comfortable saying no, don't drown in opportunity. But it's also the same thing in discussions like you don't have to know everything.
0: Yeah, I think that's great advice and I like the 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 line, the copy of I don't know enough to be the person to tell this story. It's not that I don't have a take, it's not that I don't care about it, it is I shouldn't be the shepherd of that conversation. Let's turn the focus of the conversation more towards content and SEO. Obviously, you know, finding authenticity within your voice, finding what your sort of niche and channels, your topics are going to be is very important. How does this uh, impact your content strategy? How does it have sort of bottom line impact for SEOs and content marketers?
1: You can look at it a couple of ways. One is align it with what we talked about, your personality. And the other is align it with buyer intent. One thing that I always try to avoid, a lot of listeners would probably be familiar, that are familiar with SEO, know the concept, or at least the theory, just shoving a bunch of keywords into your content. And I take the total opposite approach. My copywriters, I don't tell to hit a certain benchmark on keyword count. I don't tell them to have like a certain format. I tell them to focus on communicating the story or solving the problem. And so you can, for your strategy, you can go, you know, one free tip. There's a great site called Answer the Public. A lot of people are familiar with answerthepublic.com. You go there and you type in whatever it is that you think you want to talk about. Let me take a step back and say, you can be more productive by mapping out your content strategy, creating a content calendar. Because what I've learned over the years is that most people can't write on a moment's notice. But if you map out the topics and then you're in a good groove on one day where you can put on your writer's hat, then you can mass produce a lot of topics. So I always have my team map out the topics in advance to potentially hit. So things like Answer the Public is a great tool where you can go, okay, not only what do I think I can talk about, but Answer the Public will tell you what people are actually searching on search engines and other platforms to tell you, here's what the demand on the topic already is. And you can focus on those things. Now back to aligning that with the personality and quirkiness kind of thing is... When you write, we we need to come up with a new word for authentic or authentically. When you write authentically and don't do it just for the objective of search engines is when you actually get the rewards of search engines. Because then you provide a unique piece with a unique perspective that people read longer and people pay attention. Search engines will pay attention to how long people stay on the website. They'll deem that to be a more valuable piece of content. They'll show it to more people and it repeats. So when you put a little bit of personality into the content pieces, that's what converts people. And like on a larger scale, you talked about how my agency has grown. And that has largely been because of me putting out content. And so when I push out content, I don't have a call to action. I, I address the problem and I provide a solution. I, I address the question and I provide an answer. And then what happens is you stay top of mind as the subject matter expert. And then here's what's interesting, though, back to the person to bring this full circle to the personality thing. So my my platform of choice is LinkedIn, where I get the most visibility. People follow me because they talk about business and search engine marketing, but they convert on the personal quirky stories. They'll send me a message and say, "Hey, I know you do SEO. We'll talk about that in a minute." But that was really cool what you said about your wife. That was really cool what you said about your kids. And so people convert on the personal stories. They may scratch a check to your business. But they're buying because of the uniqueness of something you said that they can relate to.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned that you were the anti-taboo speaker. You seem like the anti-SEO SEO, where we get all of this data and all of these signals from the search engines, from the platforms and tools that are you know meant to help us optimize. And you're basically saying you throw that out the window and answer what you think the user is trying to understand or learn, and it doesn't necessarily matter what keywords and phrases you're using, if you're creating unique topic that is authentic, if it's from the heart, then you're going to get more value. So how do you blend in sort of the two of those, your, your quirky personality with there's this data that's out there that suggests what you should be writing? Isn't there a blend between the two of them that allows you to boost your search engine performance while also writing authentically?
1: Yeah, you can get into structure things. Some of the listeners are more familiar with terminology. A good tool is integrating schema, which is structured data. So instead of just written word, you have written word in a certain format. so there are things you can do to amplify it. But I always have our copywriters address the problem first. And then on the developer side or the optimization side, then they'll do the second pass. But the first pass is always based around how do we answer a legitimate problem with a legitimate solution? So then, you know, I don't know how far you want to take, how deep you want to take it on the technical updates. But yes, there are things you can tweak, but you still put the personality in addressing the question first.
0: All right. So what I'm hearing is there's a couple different phases. You're having your writers write from the heart, answering the underlying solution. Then you're doing some optimization, your keyword stuffing, your, you know, sort of Google-centric writing for the search engine to modify the content. But you're really trying to keep it as close to from the heart as you possibly can.
1: Yeah, but I wouldn't say keyword stuffing. So if I had to... You're right with phases. The way that the phases go, they start even before that, though. They start even in the keyword research. Because before we write a piece of content, we have to know what the objective of that content is. What goals is it supporting? So we start with the competitive analysis and the keyword research and go, Okay, what are the competitors doing good? What are they doing bad? What are they crushing? What are they missing? And then the second phase is, you know, how do we align those opportunities with the solutions we can provide with our, to our market? So then from there, you go, okay, what type of content can we create that supports those objectives? Then you write from the heart. And then after that, I wouldn't say keyword stuffing at all because search engines have become smart enough nowadays they can understand the general context and position of a piece of content. So yeah, if you can mention a specific phrase organically, like naturally, through like a smooth flow in the readability of the content, then sure, put it in there. But we don't have any sort of keyword density that we go off that says we need to insert a keyword at least three times or 4% of the total keyword count or anything like that.
0: I think at the end of the day, Damon's point here is that the search engines are not only smart enough to understand the context of what you're saying, but more importantly, the people that are reading the content are who you're writing for. And so without retaining your authentic voice, without having personality included in your content, that content seems thin, it seems hollow, it doesn't drive the business results that you expect. And so understanding who you are, understanding the tone of your organization, and really writing something that you truly believe in comes across not only when you're writing, when you're speaking, in everything you do in business, you have to stay true to who you are, And that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Damon Burton, president of SEO National. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Damon and I are going to talk about building a content marketing strategy for the 2020s. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Damon, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is entrepreneurdb, or you can visit his company's website, which is seonational.com. You can also get a copy of Damon's book, Outrank